Ah, love this place, love this couple. Thank you for having me. It all kind of feels like coming home. Actually, when I arrived at your house last night, I felt, ah, I don't know, something about not being in a hotel room, yay, (laughs) which I was in all week. So, Lord, we love you. This is my friend Danielle. Danielle, stand up, wave. She's with our church in Kansas City, and she's... uh, Gosh, you've done so much. You're an Oral Roberts student. You've got your, is it your master's or your, something like that. She's super smart too. So anyways, but bless her. Father, we love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Whoa. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for this house. Thank you for this beacon of light. I just, I know it's such a simple word, but this is what I see about consumed church. Such a beacon of light such a beacon of light right here in this whole region and beyond that your light is shining bright and I just feel the Lord's pleasure. Well done. Well done. You know what? I just find myself during worship thinking about, you know, those stadiums where they have massive floodlights, right? And that's great. I love that. It's awesome. And this week, uh, on Friday, actually, I drove from Cindy Jacobs meetings where I have been all week to, um, to Keller, Texas, to hear my daughter speak. She flew in uh, from Kansas City. She's an amazing speaker, and she was speaking at uh, Corey Russell's Nasherite conference. Anyways, and I found myself, I, I was like, oh, I'm going to stop for a coffee, and, I, and then I stopped, and I'm looking across the street, and there's like, whoa, there's Gateway Church. What a ginormous church, right? And uh, I love that area, but I felt, okay, awesome. Isn't that great that they've got like this floodlight? But you know what? That's awesome. But don't you just love it when you go somewhere and you, you have a street light or you have a, a beacon of light that just shines bright? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I just feel you don't need to be gateway. You don't need to be as big as gateway and praise God for them. But you guys are a light shining. This church is a light. And I just honor that. You know, I just feel the pleasure of God saying this is making a difference. You're shining bright. And so, Lord, thank you. Keep coming. Just keep being faithful. Thank you for purchasing of the building, God, that it's all coming in, Lord. Supernatural provision. We declare that in Jesus' name. Supernatural provision. And I keep, you know, I love the fact that this has been a wedding chapel. Come on. (laughs) The, The great commandment is just written right in your foundation, all right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And so I just have a couple words. This girl right here. Hello. You got a vest on. That's you. Hi, I just want to bless what the Lord is speaking to you or doing in your life. I I just feel like he's taking you from one place to another, primarily in the inward journey, and it's going to reflect in the outward journey. And so much of it is about God's radical heart of love for you and you really receiving that. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So I just declare that over you that there's a new level of revelation of the joy. There's a new level of revelation of the Father's love. And as a result, something's happening inside that's going to reflect what you do. I don't even know what you do. Maybe you're a student or something like that. But I just feel like you're going to change trajectories because God is changing trajectories. He's blowing his wind. If you just put up that sail, and then the wind is going to blow your sailboat into these extraordinary waters. So, Father, bless her. Joy, 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 joy. In the name of Jesus, breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough in your, in your mind and your thoughts and breakthrough in every area. God is giving you a breakthrough in Jesus' name. So we say yes. There was a guy, because we, we were greeting, so oh, there you are. Um, 
on your phone or whatever, your iPad. Hello. <laughs> uh, why don't you stand up so we can all stare at your nice hair? Yes. Okay. So, Lord, pour out your spirit upon this guy. Uh, you know, I, I, Danielle, if you had anything to, you can jump up. But I just feel like you, um, this creative flair or this uh, think outside the box thing that you've got going on, and I just bless that because the Lord is, who's the most creative of all? Of course, it's God, the creator of the universe. And he's given special creative gifts to certain people. And so I bless you because I feel like there's been times where you haven't quite fit inside a mold and it's been a little bit hard at times because you don't fit, you know, with certain, I don't know, things that you do. But I believe that the Lord's going to help you really hit your niche in a whole new way, where it's your creative juices, but with the, you know, a, a financial element to it, where it's it's paying off. It's kind of think of think of the uh, Elon Musk's of the world. They don't fit in a traditional box, right? Yet they're creating these things that people want. And I just bless you because I feel like there's something entrepreneurial. I think there's something creative. I think there's something where God's going to tie together the financial element with your creative juices and cause it all to come together. And I just bless you as you worship. Just worship, worship, worship. Just be that worshiper because it's like is worship is warfare. And I just see you worshiping and God's causing any mountains to become mohills, you know, any obstacles to just, you know, be nothing. So, Father, declare that over him, a new level of creative uh, creativity that it causes an explosion in what he does and even financial blessings on the heels of that. Not that that's the end all be all, but it's that you're doing what you're created to do. So more of it, Lord, more of it, more of it. Shift those things in Jesus name. Yeah. So um, the girl back here in the sweater and the glasses right here. Yeah, you. Yeah, you. Just go ahead and stand up. Yeah, I just, I just saw you. Are, are you guys, you guys together? Do you have, do you have, do you have kids? Do you have any kids? Okay, because I just saw like just this, this little girl, and she was just laughing and laughing and laughing. And I was like, Lord, what is this? And I really feel like the Lord is just wanting to restore back to you like the joy of the Lord, like the little girl that that you were just like laughing and laughing and laughing. Like I know that maybe some trials and tribulations and things that have happened in your life, like maybe some really hard things that have been hard to like really press through and press in. And the Lord is saying that He's restoring your joy, and I just pray for you. Father, I just pray for fresh hope. God, I ask God for fresh faith, God, in her life to start believing for the impossible. God, I'm asking, Lord, right now, God, that you would just lay your hand upon her, God, with fresh joy and fresh hope. God, refresh, renew, restore, and revive her heart in you. God, this week, God, even today, in Jesus' name. I want to jump on that, though. Are you married or no? Yes? You guys are brother and sister. Okay, but uh, are you okay? Do you desire to be married? Can I pray for that? Because I actually think that what she was seeing is also a future child. So, Lord, we just declare in Jesus' name a blessing over this woman. That, Lord, yeah, no, no, don't roll your eyes. Don't roll your eyes. I saw that. What does Proverbs 30 say about rolling your eyes? Look it up. Anyways, (laughs) Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that you're about to do some real amazing things in her life, God. And, uh, and I, you're sitting in a wedding chapel, by the way, so you got it right here, you know. So, Father, do what you want to do. But, Lord, we just say open her heart to these possibilities, to these things that you're stirring. You're stirring. And it's not a big, fat a no. I just feel like the Lord's saying, what do you desire? And the Lord's about to give you a great gift. So, amen.
what is your name? The, the, the guy I see next to you. Yeah, the brother. What is your name? Huh? Assis. Assis, I just, I really saw, like, as she was prophesying over her, like, just you writing. I don't know if you're a writer, but I just feel like the Lord is just going to start blessing your voice. That God is going to start giving you a voice where you've seemed like maybe you haven't had a voice or maybe, like, it's a marketplace thing where it's just like, hey, like, I have something to say. I have something to contribute. I actually have something. And the Lord's like, I'm going to give you that voice, whether it's in writing, whether it's in the marketplace, whatever it is. He's going to begin to make a way where there seems to be no way and just, just just amplify your voice. Does that make sense? Yeah? Awesome. 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 You know, um, uh, is there, sorry, I should have asked you this before, but is there anybody that technically leads youth right now or not at this moment? You know, the, the guitar dude, where, where are you? You were right there. Oh, hi, Travis. Stand up. We're staring at you. Yeah. Um, Yes, seriously, stand up. And then is who's the drummer? Was that your son or no? No. Worship, worship pastor. Okay, we bless. Oh, there you are. Good on you. Oh, I remember you from last time. Bless you. You know, Travis, I feel like the Lord is going to stretch you, you know, in terms of what you do and you don't do, you know. And there's a sense of the Lord's hand upon you for, um, for evangelism, for saving of souls. But I feel like the Lord is going to teach you pastoral stuff before the evangelism completely kicks off. And there's a reason for that. You know, sometimes, have you ever, I don't know, I remember somebody saying this years and years ago. They said that they had an, a visiting evangelist come to their church who they said, uh, didn't, it, it's like he didn't particularly care about people. How is that possible? But anyways, I don't know. They, it, and, and it's like sometimes what we learn in pastoral or caring for people or helping people is we learn to actually love people because God loves people. And why is there salvation or evangelism? Because God loves people. And so in other words, to, to have an evangelistic calling without an actual love for people is not a good combination. So why am I saying that? I'm saying that because you're going through a process where even I feel like you're going to help youth or young people or pastor youth, or, or you don't have to call it pastoring, you can call it whatever you want. But where you're helping young people, you might be three steps ahead of them, but that still is enough to say, hey, come walk with me. Come walk this journey with me towards God. And as you do that, I feel like more and more you're going to see evangelism kick in. You're going to see more and more people bringing unsafe friends or that sort of stuff going on. So I just bless you. It's like the Lord is piercing you. I mean, I have a message about radical this morning. And this, probably, it's for everybody, but you need to really listen. Because there's something that God is saying about you turning into, in a good way, a radical. A real radical. So Father, fill them up and give them more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for prayers that have been going on for this young man from whoever. I don't know. Somebody out there has been praying for you. You know, so, Lord, I thank you for the prayers that are being answered, Lord, in this ocean of, of the destiny falling upon him in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Yeah, we love you. The couple right in front of him. Are you guys a couple? I see you holding her hand or he, she's holding you or something like that. Um, I just, it's a very simple word. I just see heart's desire being fulfilled, heart's desire being fulfilled. And, and uh, I don't know what you've walked through recently, but I think it's been a bit rocky. And it's like I've been a bit like, hey, God, you know, I didn't really sign up for this. And yet the Lord is going to make that, uh, it's like the, in my mind's eye, I'm seeing a rocky road turning into like a paved highway. And so I just bless you to not quit, not stop. You know, um, remember the sower that went out to sow? And the whole thing about the rocky is that is at times it can feel like uh, it's like the seed was 
was, in, it was shallow. And I feel like the Lord's saying, keep going deep. Just keep going deep with me. You're going to see the breakthrough that you need, even in your family and your work, finances, all these different components coming together as you just don't quit. Keep moving forward. I bless your marriage. We bless, you know, I just believe that there's, I've been married for 32 years. I feel like there's always we're in our marriages. Let's keep just going for more. Let's keep going for more intimacy, for more communication, for more, you know. And so I bless that. I want to pray that for every marriage here, that God says there's more. And so I just bless the more. But he is so uh, going to rock your world in a good way and make the rocky places smooth. So do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, bless you guys. Gosh, no clock there. Yay, we got loads of time. I, 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 don't, I don't carry a watch. So um, I was uh, this week, uh, yeah, keep coming, Holy Spirit. Just let your glory fall. Thank you for the word of the Lord. I was in, um, first of all, small meetings with Cindy Jacobson. It's, a, it's called the American Coalition of Prophetic Elders, and then it went on to end with uh, this prophetic summit. And I just wanted to share a few interesting tidbits uh, that came up that, I don't know, there was a real sense of, a, like, prophetic voices from all over the world really were there. But a, a real sense came about the need to pray to avert or at least delay a third world war. And uh, many may be thinking, oh, you know, that would be maybe tied to Russia. There's a lot going on, obviously, with Russia. And an unholy alliance is merging between Russia Iran and China. Have you noticed that? But it is, okay. Like there's this unholy alliance going on, even, even as we know that, um, that I, um, Iran, sorry, Russia has purchased these drones from Iran that they're using to, you know, to bomb into Ukraine. But there's more that's emerging in that unholy alliance. However, the main nation to keep your eyes on regarding a third world war is none of those. It is Taiwan. Taiwan. And, the, and, you know, I just reread the book called Reese Howell's Intercessor. And I think I read that when I was 15. It came out in 1952. And I don't know. I, I recommend many of us reread that because it's such a powerful book on how prayers can change history, including the Second World War. The Second World War was definitely changed through the power of prayer. No joke. I mean, even people that don't know God have said that. Like this guy, Lord Downing, who was in the, uh, the war room with Churchill when the Battle of Britain is going on. And Churchill says, what reserves do we got? Like, what spitfires do we got the RAF to get up there? And he says, we don't have any more left. And at that point when it was defeat was there, 1940, Battle of Britain, what happens? All of a sudden, the German bombers turn around and start going home. And they're like... You know, it, and then this guy says this. He says, it was as if there was some divine hand of intervention. Well, guess what? Reese Howells and his guys, and I'm sure everybody else, and the king had uh, called a day of prayer prior to that. He, they were praying because the Lord gave them, them the strategy in prayer. Come on, somebody. We can see things shifted in history through the power of prayer. And so, you know, what's it saying? Ezekiel, I look for a man. I look for a woman who'd stand in the gap. I'm trying to find an internet. Who would, you know? And this is where we're all called to pray, by the way. Now, some are called to special levels like a Reese Howells, but you're all called to pray. I love the fact that when I read Daniel, Daniel 9, Daniel 10, it was one man's fasting and prayer that caused Michael to come and take out that prince of Persia. And then 
for the answer to come to get out of Babylon after the 70 years. Anyway, so there is prayer needed to avert a third world war. Why is Taiwan the big enchilada? It has to do with chip warfare, chip. Like as in, how many of you know that your phone, look at right here, this runs on a chip. Your, your car runs with a chip in it, or as does your phone, as does satellites, as does so much of what we use. Well, as I understand it, 80% of chip technology, it's coming out of Taiwan. So why does China want Taiwan so badly? Can anybody guess? <laughs> you know, because there's an empire spirit on China that doesn't take a, a profit to know that. They're seeking to take over, have world domination over America and yada, yada. So the whole thing about Taiwan, watch Taiwan, they want that chip technology. I'll say this really quickly that uh, I forget the name of it. Maybe some of you know it, Taiwan. T.S. something to Taiwan. One of the main companies of chip technology is they are now producing a plant in uh, Arizona. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing to get some of that here. But where, where am I going? That there really is the brewing of a third world war. Now, in case that's a surprise to you, even tr uh, George Washington had dreams of three world wars. Bob Jones, who died, went to heaven, had all this revelation that has most of it has come to pass, like the prayer room in Kansas City, and I could talk about more, like the Truman property and on, but where he actually saw also a third world war. Now, we can, though, through our prayers, I believe, a, a, a delay it, you know, or, or in, in some way cause it that, that our sons and daughters and our nations are not, you know, uh, right in the thick of that. Does that make sense? Anyway, so pray for Taiwan and pray for the aversion of that. That was one of the things. Another thing I just mentioned it earlier was a real, um, many had the word about the prodigals coming home. Yay, God. And about 2023 also, really that Psalm 23 being a key chapter. I know, you know, 23, 23, but Psalm 23 takes us before the green pastures and the still waters, but he prepares a table before me uh, in the presence of mine enemies. You know, in the presence of enemies, God is still, he's, he's bringing a breakthrough. He's in, you know, there's enemies obviously in warfare, but breakthrough in terms of our own wrestle against things. God is preparing a table for you. God is making a way of incredible breakthrough over those that rise up against you. For some reason, I feel like somebody, or maybe there are more than one in this room, you have a business that you got some enemies that don't like what you do, <coughs> or they're rising up against you. You stay in your place with God. You stay in that place of his presence and watch the turnaround. Come on, watch the turnaround. You know, I remember you guys saying that even 2020 for you was uh, with a business, that the Lord protected you. And I want to talk about, you know, just, I'm not even at my message yet, but what's coming to my brain is um, the Hobby Lobby. I love the store. But I read the latest book from David Green. He's the founder of Hobby Lobby. It's called Leadership Not by the Book. You want to buy that book, okay? <laughs> that was Leadership Not by the Book. And um, just incredible principles of leadership. Check this story out. Now, when um, 2019 was the last year Hobby Lobby ever sold Halloween paraphernalia because the Lord spoke to David and said, Halloween is going in such a trajectory that it's way darker than you might think. And so, so anyway, so that's, did you know that next to Christmas, Halloween is the biggest seller? You know, costumes and and all those sorts of things. So next to Christmas, Halloween, and he knew that was going to cost millions of dollars. 
So anyway, so that was the last year that they did Halloween. You guys all know that Hobby Lobby doesn't, you know, they're not open on a Sunday, which is incredible in itself. So anyway, so here COVID hits. COVID hits. And by April, every one of their near, like they're, they're nearing 1,000 stores in America now. Every one of their stores is closed. Zero income. And he's crying out to God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. And the Lord gives his wife, who's an intercessor, three words, guard, guide, and groom, that the Lord would guard them. He's going to protect them. The Lord would guide them through these waters, and he's going to prune them or groom them. He was going to do some pruning. Anyway, so they hung on to the word of the Lord. When there was some stores allowed to open, they opened their stores, and then things began to sell. By Christmas, when more stores could open, this is, I'm talking 2020, by Christmas, they only had 60% of their inventory because, of course, we know there was a delay in, in you know, the, the, the shipments, right? Shipments of things. And he said in Christmas time, things were flying off the shelf to such a degree they were like, what are these people buying? What are they buying? Like it was so stunning how the Lord was causing their, their finances. Do you know what? They ended 2020, the big year of COVID shutdowns. Hobby Lobby ended 2020 in the highest sales ever. As a matter of fact, 50% more than ever. Come on, somebody. And when they looked at, now, yeah, okay, people wanted to buy puzzles because they were bored at home. But when they looked at their competitors, they didn't have that same. They didn't have that increase at all. Some of them were scraping by or they were lower. That is the blessing of the Lord. And I just want to say that story, let alone, and I know you guys had, had a, a story too, and, and we had a story. Like, there, you know, my, for a while, many years, my main income to the family was that I was traveling. I can't believe you're speaking, and so many flights got canceled in March of 2020. I'm like, oh, wow, Lord, you know, for one week I was like, what am I doing? Oh, my goodness. And then after that, I'm like, well, I've been wanting to spend more time with God. Okay, great, you know. So, anyways. It, it's a crazy story how the Lord provided for us, too, in 2020. But where am I going with this? The Lord prepares a banqueting table before me in the presence of my enemies. You are not subject. God's people are not subject to the economy of the United States of America. There is a heavenly economy. There is a heavenly provision that is not subject to this world's ways or interest rates. Now, I'm not saying be stupid. I'm not saying, you know, you know, be unwise in your business dealings. But church, do things God's way because it doesn't make sense. And that gets in, like, his ways, you know, it's an upside-down kingdom principles. You know, I'm gonna, I really felt like when I was praying about what to share, I felt like the Lord saying, speak on radical living. And that's what this is right now. Lock the doors. Nobody's allowed to leave. Radical living. And if we think, you know, that, yeah, uh, I'm already radical. Well, I just feel like there's more. Put it that way. There's more for me, too. And what does that mean? I actually looked it up. What is the definition of radical? It means change your action relating to or affecting the fundamental nature of something, far-reaching or thorough. So another radical relate is really the real meaning is, it, is there's change your action that takes us into another realm. Now, you can talk about there's negative, there's different uh, definitions of negative radical, like the radical left or the radical right or whatever. But it really, I'm talking about being full on, all in, committed, growing. You know, and I uh, believe that the, 
radical in the right way, ways, that the Lord is countering, that there's, it's like, this is in the heart of God, and the enemy tries to counter. So what is the enemy doing right now? He's causing radical left, radical right. How many of you know that there's young people, even in UK right now, going into grocery stores and dumping milk on the ground? Have you seen that? Like that it's like, that is crazy. That is climate, climate, you know, the climate, uh, I'm not saying, by the way, I really do care about the climate. I think we should be very good with you know, doing what we can to help the climate. But trust me, there is a climate agenda that is a religion, and it's demonic. It is a demonic religion that is merging on the world stage right now, and it's sucking in a whole generation of young people. And so crazy things are happening in terms of the climate. How many of you know Sri Lanka, who was forced to, uh, you know, do climate things, and now their people are starving? How, do you know that in Europe, it is, I mean, I was just sitting with my friend from Amsterdam last night. Did you know in Europe that their heating costs are set to be, for some, 15 times normal? What? 15 times normal. As they're heading into winter right now? So think about your heating bill or your electrical bill going up 15 times. That's what's happening for some of the nations. It's at least triple for other nations in Europe. Why? Some of it, obviously, there's an influence from the Ukraine, but some of it, a lot of it is also because this thrust towards you know, climate control or climate change, they have been blowing up their own nuclear energy plants, you know, and not using fossil fuels. What am I saying? I'm just saying this. Yeah, we should care about the planet, but there is a demonic agenda in this. And so, uh, you know, there's so much dark stuff on that. And even, even, even us, like my husband last weekend, there was a uh, YWAMers actually, they're really amazing in agriculture. They came and my husband took a course, about 25 people took a course on, on gardening and growing, uh, you know, crops in the land, on your own land. Do you know you can do a lot, actually, even if you have a small plot of land with... Anyways, that's another story, but I'll just say this, that my parents, who grew up in the Netherlands during the war, they were kids, but my mom's mom and dad, you know, they were helped Jews, I think I mentioned that before, but my dad was an expert gardener. My grandfather, my opa, he was an incredible gardener. And the joke was that the food came in the back door and my grandmother caused it to go out the front door because she gave away. But do you know the worst winter on record in the Netherlands was the 1944 to 45 winter when this is the very last winter of the war when already the country's been decimated and it was the worst for snow and cold and many people died in the Netherlands from starvation because there was no food and what my family they were so ridiculously blessed all they were doing is giving away food giving away food because my 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 opa's garden I don't know why I'm saying that I'm just saying that maybe some of you should actually start gardening come on John I'd love to see that in your nice no just kidding but um I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying that necessarily for everybody all right but radical living here's a few points we want to make number one radical in love there's the big one. Radical in love. How can we radically love God, the great commandment? I love this. Thank you, painter, for where are you, the artist? Beautiful, beautiful painting. Um, this is exactly this heart, this beauty of this. But or this, this is a, a bird, right? But it's I, to me, I'm seeing a heart. You intended that, I'm assuming, yes. But the radical love. You know, when we wake up in the morning to really have forefront in my mind, forefront in our mind, in our heart, Lord, how can I love more today? 
How can I love you? How can I love one another? Like, that's the great commandment. You know, this verse really has rocked my world, and Mike Bickles highlighted it a lot. It's his favorite verse of the Bible, and it's this. It's John 15, 9. It says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. Now, you know, we can read some of these verses in the Bible and just kind of read them fast and, you know, tick you off. I read, I read the Bible today. But, man, that honestly takes pondering. That takes, I believe, like a lifetime of revelation. In other words, as God, the Father, loves the Son, and believe me, God is love. So there's a radical amount of love um, in the Godhead. But as much as the God, the Father, loves the Son, so he loves us to the same extent, to the same quality, to the same quantity. Think about that. It's like, what? As the Father loves the Son, he loves me? And so, and then, so that's basically truth number one, God loves God. Truth number two, God loves me to that same extent. Here's command number one, is abide in my love. And if you know the whole John 15 passage, it goes on to say, you're not going to do anything. You can do nothing without me. The vine, you know, connected, the, is not going to have fruit coming out of it if it's not connected to the branch. So in other words, massively making this a priority. And then it goes on and it talks about, you know, this is really where there is joy. If you, so as the Father loved me, I've loved you. Abide in my love, 15.9, John 15.9. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that what? My joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Oh, come on. In other words, abiding in the love of God, this ocean of love of God, and then walking in his ways, obeying him, it leads to this overflow of joy. You know, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in your, your trajectory, it's, there's a joy that God wants us to enter into. Somebody say it. Ah! The joy of the Lord is our strength. What's the enemy trying to do? He's trying to steal your joy. Yep. Do you know the anxiety and depression and panic attacks. I mean, I woke up one morning uh, with the Lord speaking so clearly. He says, I am declaring war on anxiety and depression in my people. I was so shocked. I was like, what? It's like, I'm declaring war on it. God is not okay with you being depressed. That's not his will. And here's some keys here is abiding in the love of God. You know, one of the things that I say over myself every morning, uh, I am loved by God. I'm a lover of God. You know, just declaring the truth. And then I stole part of this from Mike Bickle. You feel about me like the Father feels about you. I'm talking to God. You feel about me like the Father feels about you. I am your beloved, one of your favorite ones. You delight in me. I lean on your heart because I love you. That is who I am and what I do. I commit to receive from your heart by feeding on your word because I long to know you. In the secrets of your heart. Oh, I don't know. Put it the way you want it to. But declare of yourself, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You know, the word of God in your mouth causes incredible shift. I was just did my daily Bible reading this morning, uh, Matthew 4. When Jesus is tempted by the devil, 
Where does he counter every one of the demonic? He's like, you know, it is written. It is written. And he speaks the truth of the word of God. That's, this is truth. This is truth. You can bank your life on this. More than the economy or are we going to have a third world war or what's the interest? The word of God works in your mind, in your mouth, in your heart. But guess what? You need to open it. <laughs> I, uh, I might share the story, but when I was uh, 19, I think it was, I smuggled Bibles into China with uh, Jackie Pullinger. And I got caught at the border, and there was, I wasn't afraid of being put in prison, but they, uh, it's a long story, but they, they, when I was arguing with these border guards about, you know, can you read this? And it's all in Chinese. And I'm like, well, not really, but... <laughs> I still want my Bible back. And so anyway, so we, they put me back, and then and Jackie said, your room is going to be bugged, all right? So in other words, uh, you're definitely, your hotel room is going to be bugged. They're watching, they're watching us. So I was, and then she said, and by the way, don't pray in tongues because you could be speaking one of the 300 Chinese dialects or something like that. I thought, should have just <laughs> preached to them in tongues. But anyways, but the Bibles were all delivered to the underground church at night in secret. And I'm 19, but something absolutely marked me. It was this. I thought, I've got like about five Bibles back home, and they're mostly collecting dust. And these people are risking their lives for one Bible for a whole church, underground church. And I, I went home, I said, I am going to be a woman of the word. And I tell you, I love the Bible. I can't imagine going through a day without reading the Bible. So it's like, you know, ask Holy Spirit to help. Help me to understand this. Or open, you know, eat the scroll. Eat the scroll, the crucialness. Anyways, so the, the, the element of the Father wanting us to be radical in love. Radical in love for one another. You know, um, John and I married for 32 years. And, you know, we just had an impasse recently, just a disagreement. And it was an impasse where like, oh, Man, bummer, but I think we need to call Chester Betsy Kilstra. <laughs> They're our good friends. They started RTF, and uh, so we did, you know, and they just had such insight. I'll just say this. Hopefully, John's not listening to this, but they actually sided with me. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, but they were, they were very nice about it. But you know what? It's like that thing that we were wrestling with, a difference of opinion on something, just radically got turned around and, and, and just can honestly say, you know, just more in love. Now, and why am I saying that? I just feel like the enemy is trying to rob marriages. And guess what? You know, we need to humble ourselves and say, this isn't worth it. By the way, uh, one of my interns back in Canada, I found this, like this, you might find this hard to believe, but there's other proof that this is true. But where one of my interns went into a, a Tim Hortons coffee shop, it's a famous coffee shop in Canada, and uh, they, she saw a bunch of younger people praying. And she went over and said, hey, guys, that's so cool. You guys are praying in Tim Hortons. They said, yeah, we're praying, but we're not praying to God. And she says, uh, who are you praying to? She said, praying Satan. And then she looked down at their list, and on the, not, on the top one was for the destruction of marriages. And I, I know another guy, um, is a friend of James Dobson, was on a flight. He was a pastor, but he didn't let on that he was a pastor to this guy who seemed like he didn't want to talk or whatever. And then after into the flight, he did end up talking to him, and he said, and this guy was praying. He was meditating. He says, oh, what are you praying about? He says, well, I'm going to New York, and first in, on my prayer list is for the destruction of Christian marriages. I mean, what the heck? But it's true. 
Like there is, how many of you know that the, the, um, the Satanists are coming out of the closet? You know, they're, they're just not, they're not hiding it anymore. There's just the occult. It's true. It's out there. Anyways, where am I going with that? The enemy is waging war on marriages, knowing if he can destabilize the family, remove fathers from homes. There's a great triumph in the orphan heart that comes in and on and on. So what, you know, we then stand in the truth of what God says, humble ourselves. We need you, God, you know, come and break in. I don't want a mediocre marriage. I don't want to, you know, get by until death do you part. We want to thrive in marriages. We want to see healing. And if you've been divorced, well, there's a whole lot of great people that I know that have been divorced, but God gave them, you know, the second chance to go forward and to not bear the big D on their heads. Come on. God is big and great, but he wants to heal and restore. So husbands, can you wake up in the morning and think, how can I honor my wife? You know, um, there's a verse, sorry, I can't remember where it is, but it's basically this. It says, how can we outdo one another in honor? How can husbands outdo their wives in honoring their wife? Or wives, how can we outdo one another in honoring our husbands? It is crucial that we get this to live, you know, the, the kind of families that God wants us to live. So radical in love, radical, radical. God, put it on my number one. I want to grow in love. Tell my kids, unless Jesus comes first and I go, we all go to him. But if I pass away from this planet, put it on my tombstone, she learned to love because that's my main objective. I want to love God. I want to love people and see this. And that's what we want to impart to our children. You know, when I was hearing my daughter, um, Gabriel, uh, she and her husband, Benji, are, uh, she's 29 years old. They are now the leaders of IHOP, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. They're the leaders of that under Mike Bickle and uh, Stuart Grease, but they, they're the next generation leaders. Another guy that is the leader of the church, another guy that's the leader of the university, but they're the ones. And so I'm thinking, wow, you know, how did God do this? But as, as I heard her preach this week in Keller, Texas, you know, they flew her in for, she's only there for a few hours and flew her out. And a stunning, incredible message that was just off this charts. I'm like, oh man, like, this is my kid. You know, Lord, give me, my message could be half that good, you know, but where am I going with this? The Lord had said to me as a parent years ago, the number one thing in your parenting is to teach your kids to love me. That's it. That's the great commandment. And everything else is going to, is going to come and fit into place. In other words, we didn't have this aim of they have to go to the best universities or they have to have the best jobs or they have to have the, you know, acquisition of accomplishments that loaded up to here. No, your heart, your heart. How's your heart? How's your heart with God? We want you loving Jesus. And I want to say this, and homeschool, not everybody has to homeschool, but my point is this. As I look at how God has so ridiculously blessed our kids financially, I'm like, wow, we prioritize the heart, and they got all the other things that you go after in the world. But the Lord just added it on. I am not kidding. Our son, 32 years, 31 years old, is leading a whole cell phone tower company that people have been working in that company longer than he's been alive. And they just favor the favor. And, he, and he's one of the worship leaders. He was the youth pastor. He gave that up. He's one of the worship leaders in the church we used to pastor. He, he also, my sister is the top real estate agent in the city. And she taught him, and so he went through real estate, does that on the side. I just bought a whole farmland. I'm like, God, you're so ridiculously good, but 
passionate for Jesus. Come on, somebody. Keep declaring over your kid, even your prodigal. Your heart burns for Jesus. But that kid is going to come into the kingdom. Radical in radical time in God's presence. Carve it out. Carve it out. Put it as a priority. You know, I love what Corey Tim Boom said, one of my heroes. She said, have your appointment with the king and keep your appointment with the king. <laughs> it, it, put it right in your day timer. You know, this is my time with God. I don't have phone time here. I don't have meeting time here. I have God time here. It's in my appointment calendar. And it's incredible how if you don't plan it, you are much more likely not to do it. But if it's in your, your planning or, you know, you're waking up a little early or whatever. But, you know, when my husband was a bank manager, uh, I remember he used to always set the clock for 6.33. He set it specifically for 6.33, Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So there goes the alarm, 6.33. He's up spending time with God and then we go to the bank. And anyways, he's a pastor now. He spends more time with the Lord. But what am I, you know, set the alarm, do whatever you need to do and ask the Holy Spirit to help you in terms of God is not going to say something like come and be with me and, and then leave you high and dry. You know, the Holy Spirit is our teacher to help us learn from the word or he wants to, you know, the communication that goes both ways. Radical time. I just feel like the Lord, to be really honest with you, I, if, if I feel like I've succeeded in this message today, Every one of us, for every one of these points that we're going to go deeper today. I have faith for that. Anybody want to say yes to that? All right. So what's your time? I'm not saying, you know, just, you know, knowing your time. As a mom with kids, my time with God would be so, it depended on the stage of life. Like some of it was middle of the night. Literally, it was the only time I had quiet. But sometimes you need to get a babysitter, whatever. Have your time with God. Radical, carve it out. It is an investment. And we need to get super intentional intentional with our time with God. Here's another one, radical giving, radical giving. I'm not here to take up an offering and I, I just want these guys blessed, but it, this is the part that I feel is, is super important. Malachi 3, as we know it, about the tithe, right? Not only is it where the Lord says to tithe, bring in the, to the storehouse, but he's going to rebuke the devourer. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord. And, uh, and, and what he says, bring the tithes in my storehouse. He said, you're robbing me because you have not. And people say, oh, that's Old Testament. No, it's not. Jesus said, when you tithe. He didn't say, if you tithe. He said, when you tithe. And by the way, tithing is the minimum. That's the bare minimum. In other words, don't mess with that. I learned this again when I was 19. That was a good year, I guess. But when I had like 10, maybe it was 18, but I had 10 bucks to my name. And I remember I was in nursing school. So I must have been a bit younger, 18. I was in nursing school. I knew my mom wouldn't let me starve. I was in the dorms. But I had literally 10 bucks to my name. And the Lord said, put it in the offering plate in the church. And I was like, okay, there it goes, nothing in the bank. And um, by the end of the week, somebody gave me a bags of groceries. Another person gave me $100, and I learned something that I'll never forgot. You can never outgive God. And so give to God what belongs to God, which is you, everything of the 10% of anything that comes in. I mean, we taught our kids, $5, that means 50 cents. So in other words, you get technical with tithing. But here I want to challenge you on something. I really believe that the Lord is inviting us into continuously increasing the percentage with which we give. 
So the tithes, that's 10%, but then there's the offerings. What is the Lord challenging you to give? And you know, many times, not all the time, but many times even at the beginning of a year, the Lord has spoken to John and I saying, okay, we're going to up the percentage now. And sometimes, he, you know, maybe 1%, it may be 5%, but he ups the percentage. So to the extent we're like, <laughs> okay, God. <laughs> and, you know, it becomes, when, when you're starting out small, it's a little bit of money when it, you know, becomes bigger figures, like when we sold our Canadian house, a lot of it's bigger figures. But I want to just say, the ridiculous blessings of God <laughs> on the heels of that we don't give to get, we give out of obedience. But when the Lord says, it's time to increase the percentage with which you give. Now, and by the way, to me, I, we believe your tithe, it goes to this church. If this is your home church, it goes to the storehouse, which is the temple in that time or the church. And then offerings, give offerings here too, or give offerings to whatever. Like, uh, um, I feel like there's, there's so many scriptures that talk about giving to the poor, you know, have a compassion child that you support or whatever, giving to the poor. Well, here's my point. I want to challenge you something. I believe that the Lord is saying to everybody who's willing to increase the percentage with what you give, particularly starting in uh, the new year. You can start now, but if you don't tithe, please start tithing. Watch. What does God say? It's the ones where he says, test me, test me. You didn't tell me to talk on tithing. I'm trying to get you blessed. That's what I want. I want to see you blessed. I want to see you blessed, you know, and this is, this is a doorway that God says, just go ahead and test me. You know, one of my friends um, in Canada, and she and her husband had decent jobs, but they always seemed to not be able to have much. I don't know. They're, and so I said, are you guys tithing? She said, no. I said, well, that's your problem right there. And, and then so she's like, well, I said, look, let's do this. Six months. I'm asking you to tithe for six months, and then we'll talk, Okay. She said, okay, we'll do it. They did. Six months. She got this government job right after that six-month period, making way more money. All of COVID, she was in this protected, phenomenal job with the government of Canada. And, you know, I just think that that just paid off. Come on, somebody. You know, my daughter, Glory, she's 19, but I said, she ties. But I said, Glory, I really feel like you're supposed to become a CBN member or CBN club, you know, 700 club. By the way, that's good soil. They give so much to, you know, water wells and poor and all that stuff. I said, it's only 20 bucks a month to be a, so she's 19. She's okay, I'll do it. She did it right away that day. I am not kidding. In that month, uh, we, she and I, we still don't have our green cards, but we got our work authorization card. That was, it's interesting because that came before the green card. So we can actually finally work in America. But anyways, she, and then she gets three jobs in the month after she starts. I'm like, I think there's a connection, Glory. Like as in, if you give, you be faithful. I'm going to challenge you, poke you today to be committed to another level of radical giving. Listen to God. You can never outgive God. Trust me on that one. Increasing your percentage. And what the Lord is saying, Proverbs eleven twenty four, there is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds what is rightly due, but it leads to poverty. And this is an upside down kingdom principle, Hobby Lobby. They give away 50% of their pre-tax income, 50%. And what are they? They're an $8 billion company with now, by the end of the year, they'll have a thousand different stores. That is crazy. How about uh, Chick-fil-A, you know, and they, what they do and take Sundays off as well. 
outsell every uh, restaurant chain per restaurant. And even though they only have in the vicinity of 2,200 um, restaurants. Every time I'm in an airport and I see a really long line in the food court, I'm like, I bet you that's Chick-fil-A. And I look, yep, that's Chick-fil-A. They're the biggest line. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You see that. Blessing of the Lord. Blessing of the Lord. All right. Radical forgiveness and letting go. Whoa. You know, at this conference <clears throat> that we're at, for some reason, I kept feeling in my spirit that there was a spirit of offense that was trying to land on people. Uh, and I was in a restroom of one of the nearby restaurants, and I heard this lady on the phone. I'm sure she was part of the conference or one of the attendees of the conference. And she was just so upset that these other women had, I don't know, left her behind or something like that. And you could just feel the spirit of offense. And I could feel it in the room. It was weird. It was like the enemy was trying to stir up a spirit of offense. And um, this, the, the, I would, you know, it's just to be able to stay clear of that stuff. Because what is offense? In the word, Greek word, it's scandalon, which is a trap. It's a trap that they use. That root word, scandalon, is where they would trap the animals. It is a trap. Offense is a trap. You know, I'm working with um, my two sisters. I invited all these family members of mine to come for Thanksgiving. And uh, I have six siblings and then all of their families. So some of them are coming. But, you know, I think I told you guys the last time I was here that I, I lost a, a niece, sadly, last year uh, to death um, a month before she was to be married. And that was hard. I was supposed to do her wedding. Instead, I did her funeral. And um, anyways, so... That I just did a message to my family November 6th, so that was Sunday, because that was the one-year anniversary of her passing. And one of the things that I really prayed for in working with my sister uh, is, is offense with God. You know, that why did this happen? And by the way, um, well, I had another nephew who just, I think I told you, maybe I didn't tell you guys that, but my nephew, um, high, high up in the RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and he was one of the top RCMP officers in Canada, such that when the royalty came, like the Queen or um, Charles or whatever, he would be the one that would guard them. He guarded the Prime Minister many times. He was in Quebec City July in July to guard the Pope because the Pope came to Canada. And so he's in, uh, he's in Quebec City, and he has, I mean, crazy things that this guy does, you know, rappel down from helicopters and scuba diving and took out a terrorist just recently. He's one of the top snipers of Canada. He'd be on rooftops, you know, as a sniper if there was anything going on. And he, in Quebec City, just literally dropped dead. 48 years old, four kids, and could not be revived. And when they uh, did the autopsy, all that it came back was sudden adult death syndrome. How many of you know that there's no explanation? Like, mean, meaning, it's like SIDS, you know, kids dying that they don't have an explanation. Our family believe, I don't want to get political, but our family definitely believe for both of them it was the vaccination. Our, my nephew, of course, he had to have double-double, like double vaccination, double boosters. I think he had triple boosters. And he said to his mom, he said, I haven't felt the same since I've had those vaccinations. And he was in top shape for his job. Dropped dead. Four kids. And, be, and I'm working with my sister on offense with God. By the way, I want to say something about my nephew. That four years ago, he, you know, big tough guy, right? Calls me. He's crying on the phone. 
his marriage was rocky. And I said, Jason, you need Jesus, all right? He is your answer. So he wasn't going to church or he wasn't, you know, I said, Jesus is your answer. So, and I just, you know, went through the gospel again. Um, He was raised in the church, but totally, anyways, he totally radically gets saved four years ago. I'm with him on the phone. I know where he went. Praise God. And that's the real big enchilada. But here's the deal. When things start coming down or whatever, the earth is groaning, there is a temptation to be offended. Offended with God or offended with one another or whatever. And I'm not just talking about offense or or just unforgiveness. It's not worth it. Hello? It's not worth it. I can't afford to be offended with anybody because I want this clear. I want my relationship with God. And God, you know, God comes after you if you've got offense with somebody. You know, what does the Bible say? As much as possible, be at peace with all men. So as much as it depends on you, be at peace. In other words, make right whatever you can make right. And sometimes you can't. Like sometimes that other person is just not reasonable. So it's like, okay, I love you. I forgive you. But we'll just go on with life, right? But my point is get radical in this. Because the enemy, the lion, the demonic, he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And we cannot afford it. Forgiving. Jesus quoted David, Psalm 31, 5. Into your hands I commit my spirit. In other words, God, I am yours. Therefore, this problem I've got here with this person or this whatever it is, it's actually your problem because I'm just, I'm committing myself to you. And watch God turn it around. Because he will. He'll fight for you. He will fight for you if you keep your heart right. This is a test of leadership, by the way. A test of big test of leadership is this. How do you respond to criticism? How do you respond when people don't like you? Say things nasty about you. How do you respond? That's a test, just so you know. <laughs> I'm going to pass this test, Scott. I'm going to forgive. Put them on your prayer list. I have them real small right here. You're not going to see them. But names of people that have hurt me. I'm like, I pray blessings upon you. And uh, it's amazing how the Lord turns it all around. Turns it all around. You know, it's so, it's so funny. Um, I don't know if I should say this or not because you might figure out the players. But uh, when we were in um, Toronto pastoring there, uh, we, we said, hey, we really feel for us um, that we feel t- the churches, churches need to tithe, like that, uh, that we want to give to the poor. Now, you tithe to your organization, your upper level, fine. That's not a problem. But there's so much scriptural backing to giving to the poor, the, the, the temple, the they were the ones that give the widows might, you know, that sort of thing. So tithing to the needy, da-da-da-da. And that did not go over very well. Like, it just got shot down about, you know, we did that in Stratford, and we got out of the mortgage burning party was so much quicker. Anyways, that's fine. They didn't want to. It was just on a Zoom. I don't think you guys were on it. I didn't see you. Just on a Zoom recently, when this person who, how it all got shot down, said, yeah, you know, the bootsmiths, this is about 11 years ago. He says, you know, the bootsmiths told us 11 years ago about tithing to the poor. Well, we decided to do that. And now uh, we're ridiculously out of debt. And I'm like, 11 years later, you know. <laughs> but it was like, I, I really had to work on my heart. I really had to work on my heart when we got shot down. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I did. And sometimes, you know, if you're right, God will prove it the test of time. But there is a point of where I still had to get free of feeling like, you know, whatever. It is what it is. But my point is this. I can't afford to walk around with an offense. And so it's like, God, if you're right, you'd, the, the 
the, here is it. You do not need to make sure everybody knows you're right because God will make sure even if it's 11 years later. All right. And here's a radical commitment to speaking the truth. Sorry, I know time is going on, but radical commitment to speaking the truth. You know, um, Jesus is called this in Revelation 1. He's called many names, but one of them is this faithful witness. Faithful witness. Witness is martus in the Greek, which is the root of martyr, or one who testifies to the truth, has knowledge of the fact. You know, Jesus would not back away from the truth to Herod, to Pilate, to the religious leaders, you know, to the woman caught in adultery. Truth, a commitment to truth, being radical in our commitment to truth. So what does that look like? That looks like, for example, you and I on income tax returns or whatever, let's be truthful. Let's not be like the ways of the world, trying to cut corners. You know, somebody says, uh, well, you can pay cash for that nail salon and then it's cheaper for you. And I'm like, uh, I'll, just, I'll just go ahead and pay the tax. Because Jesus said, pay to Caesar what's Caesar's. And, you know, anyways, there's many different things. Or speaking the truth when it's not convenient because of things coming up like the LGBTQ issue, let's say. We love them. God loves them. We bless them. But do we agree with your lifestyle or think it's okay? No, because it's not biblical. Come on, somebody. I know I'm waving into deep waters here. But we're going to continuously be challenged on will we be radical to stand for truth? What is truth? There's a war on for truth right now. Do you know what's going on right now? I don't, I'm not even aware of it as much as the next generation is, but it's called uh, Be Me, right? Or Be You, Be Me, Be You. Hashtag Be Me, Be You, whatever. So in other words, if you think you're a tiger, well, guess what? Then you can be a tiger. Or if you think you're, you, you're, you're biologically a male, but you think you're a girl, well, then you can be a girl. Or you, it, it, I mean, be all, just be you, do you. I think that was it, do you. So you can do whatever because you can do whatever. That's not truth. You are not a girl. You were born a boy. You know, I I realize this is, you know, because the enemy is coming with lies, lies, identity lies, saturating this next generation in particular with lies. If we don't stand for the truth, who will? Come on. And, and, and in love, though, it has to be done well, not like you turn or burn like you're going to hell. Well, they would be, to be honest, but that's, you know, the, the point is to really make it clear what is truth, a radical commitment to truth. What does the Word of God say? I want to live my life and raise my kids and, and, and according to a biblical worldview, not a cultural worldview. You know, Joe Oden is a guy, he's a friend of mine, his wife is a friend of mine, her name is Trish Oden, but anyways, he is now the, uh, the leader of all the AOGs of America for uh, prayer and evangelism. <clears throat> anyways, their kid was, uh, there was something about, there was a sickness in the school, and so they had the, the kids home, and anyways, then it was, the, his kid was supposed to watch a video and say, well, how does this make you feel? So there was different images of maybe somebody dancing. But then there was a drag queen dancing, and his eight-year-old was supposed to say, for a school project, how does this make you feel? Whoa. Joe Oden went, you know, a little bit ballistic, but he went to the school and said, don't you, I don't even know how he said it. But the bottom line is they revoked that whole thing from that school system because he spoke up. 
And so where am I going with this? There are times when we need to know which battle, which hill do I die on kind of thing. And so in other words, there, but there's, I think, to be honest with you, I think they did, uh, he did uh, take the kids out of that school as well. But to speak truth, truth in love, but truth. And so a radical commitment like Jesus, the faithful witness. How many right now, uh, martyrdom, they're going to the, their graves. 360 million Christians on planet earth right now are enduring severe persecution. The 70,000 that are in the hard labor camps of North Korea, or by the way, I, I have faith that Iran's regime is going to turn around. How many of you know they're still uh, protesting on the streets? Um, how many have died? Anyways, what do they do? Many of them are going to their graves as faithful witnesses to the truth. They're willing to die for the truth. Radical parenting. Living, again, by the biblical worldview, not a cultural worldview. You know, I just uh, feel like for, for many parents in this day, in this hour, you, it's like to really know what's going on. Do you know, back in when I was a kid, uh, I didn't, like, we had, whatever. My parents had this terrible little TV that didn't have cable. So I didn't grow up with TV. And uh, cartoons that were kind of, if I saw a cartoon, it's kind of fun. But do you know that you cannot trust cartoons right now? <laughs> There's a lot of witchcraft that has infiltrated cartoons. So, in other words, getting radical with your, parent, your parenting. Um, the average American male, by the time they're 21 years old, spends 10,000 hours on video games. The average American male, 10,000 hours by the time they're 21. Do you know in 10,000 hours you can get an ast- a master's degree? That you could master the violin or other instruments? There is a generation that are actually losing their destiny through screens, through gaming, through, you know, this. And I'm not saying we don't have, we haven't had TV for a long time. Then our kids got us a TV for Christmas. It sits in the basement. It's mostly not on. But um, I don't have cable or anything. But anyways, that's, I know that's radical. We are radical in that, in that. And we just said, we don't want our kids being raised on a screen. We don't even like the commercials, for heaven's sakes. So we just didn't do that and blah, blah, blah. But my point is this. As a parent, I don't know how many parents of small kids are here. But to get really radical with the fact that it is harder, I get it, it is harder to parent them without putting them in front of a screen as a babysitter. But you will be very happy later in life the way your kid turns out. That they're not dependent on that screen and they're not taken in by the culture of the world. And so to be able to really look at that and say, if I'm going to get radical in parenting, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise my kid according to this biblical worldview right here. And that in that thing that's happening there, that's not consistent with my worldview, according to the Bible. Therefore, I don't want that into my kid's eyes or head or whatever. So there's many different ways we could talk about that. The, the, the screens, plus, 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 plus. Uh, most of the mass shootings that are going on are hardcore gamers. They're, they, they cross over into a, a, a different reality. All right, last one, radical eternal perspective. In other words, we must have a view of this life is so fleeting and so passing in the vapor compared to eternity. And so getting radical in, in getting that in our head and our home and our teachings. You know, Mike Bickle, um, really appreciate him. As he was 18 years old, he got saved when he was 15. 
unsaved family. His dad was a boxer, a, a star boxer, medium weight boxing. And he got a scholarship in football to a university in St. Louis. So he's 18 years old, on a scholarship, medical school, on his trajectory to become a doctor. When his 17-year-old brother, Pat, who was a senior in high school at that time, broke his neck on the high school football field, completely paralyzed, quadriplegic. The father uh, implores Mike. He gives up. I, it's a pretty big deal, I think, isn't it, to give up a football scholarship. He says, oh, that was nothing. Gives up his football scholarship to take care of his brother. He's 18 years old. Take care of his brother. He got saved, again, he got saved at 15. So they're down in Denver, which apparently has the best uh, place for quadriplegics. And they only take young people between the ages of 8 and 25 in this place. Mostly football uh, or skiing or diving. Most of these young people that are paralyzed are from skiing, football, or diving. Anyways, so he's there with his brother. You know, there are 12 hours a day with his brother. And inadvertently, it's like they, he, he began to be kind of the unofficial pastor of the entire place. Because when they got another, like, 18-year-old that just broke their neck in a diving accident, Mike, can you please go up to the third floor? There's a new family here. Because the Lord began to work on him and saying, the grief was unbearable. The grief of his 17-year-old brother, unbearable. And he began to come to the Lord, Lord, you've got to help me here. What is it? What, you know, what can you say to these people? And the Lord said, eternity. This life is fleeting. This life is passing. There's a, there is the billions of years or whatever it is that we will spend in eternity you must help them get an eternal perspective that they can still walk in joy. They can still walk in peace, even in this life, in a broken body. And so he became this unofficial pastor. And nine months after his brother broke his neck and he's in Denver with him, his father has a heart attack at the age of 48 and is dead. The whole, you know, the mother goes crazy. Uh, incredible story I read of Mike's sister who became a drug addict at the age of 11 because the mom just checked out anyways, but how she's now leading Hope City. The Lord will turn the whole story around. All of them got saved. All of them got saved. But where am I going with this? If we have an eternal perspective. Hey, Matthew, was it possible to get that video or not? Did you guys, did you send that to him or? You guys got it. Okay, awesome. Well, this guy, his name is Kyle. He's from here in Texas, from Austin. And he came up to me uh, uh, in February, cause, and he asked me to pray for him, which I did. And um, then he, he was in Kansas City just recently, worshiping the Lord in the house of prayer. And he said, hey, do you remember me? I said, yeah. He said, well, um, whatever. The prophecy was nice, and that was good. But I want you to hear his story of how the Lord wrecked this young man for the whole thing of eternity when he's, his life is going down this trajectory. Yeah? You ready? Go for it. Kyle? What's up, man? You ask me a question. Interview me. What the I thought I was very, very awesome. <laughs> Everything that I did, I, I seemed to succeed at. I did think of myself as better than other people. If ever I was to meet someone, I wanted them to like me, to accept me to believe all the things that I had portrayed and put out there. I look at all the, the pretty girls who I have to use or to manipulate, and so I was doing very well. 
I was the guy now who lived in the best party house on campus. The guy who was, was making a 4.0, but on the inside it was, it was just terrible. I wake up every day in this fear that I'm not gonna be able to keep this up, this perfect image for other people. And what will happen if they really see how lonely and how, how sad and depressed and uh, hopeless really I am on the inside. So it all started to happen when I was young. I tried to find my worth in everything that I did and all of my successes. It was like I was building a house of cards. But when I looked at this life I was building, I thought, yeah, I'm killing it. But it wasn't until my first honors organic chemistry test that everything changed. I turned over that paper and I saw a 65 written on the front of it. That house of cars that I'd built up seemed to crumble with that one test score. The first time I'd ever failed in my life. I went into a spiral of depression, completely lost, my head spinning, I don't know what to do. So the thing that I knew that gave me relief, that gave me love, that gave me peace, that gave me joy, was alcohol. It turned into an everyday affair where I drank over a liter and a half of, of vodka or hard alcohol every day. If I'm not successful, then my life is worthless. Two years of, of having to drink every day, all day, I knew that this was going to be the thing that would kill me. I just couldn't imagine living life or being free from, from this alcohol. My dad comes and rescues me, and he checks me into a hospital to medically detox. The second night I was there in the middle of the night, I feel like I'm about to have a heart attack. My heart is not beating fast anymore. It would beat once every 10 seconds. So I said, oh no, my heart is giving up right now. Is this, is this a heart attack? Is this the end? And so I'm waiting for the next beat of my heart with all the floods, all the thoughts of death, that this is, this is going to be the end. And I'm waiting, waiting, waiting for the next beat, but that the next beat never comes in my chest. My heart stopped, everything's black, yet I'm still thinking, I'm still conscious. My physical body is no longer on earth, but it's in another place. And in this place, I witnessed people who were in the same situation as I was, who were searching for the thing on earth that they were addicted to, but they couldn't find relief, they couldn't find peace. And so I was in the same place, spiraling down. So I get to the moment of literally being suspended in nothingness, and I thought, oh no, this is not good. Something is put into my heart to say yes. That's all I know to do at this moment. And so I look up into the nothingness. And with everything that I had left in me, I yelled yes. In a moment, an instant, I was back in my physical body on the hospital bed with a tangible piece around me. What just happened? My back, is this real life? And I look up on the wall of the hospital, and in the color of lightning, I can describe it, it's white hot, coming out of the wall, was with real simple handwriting. It said John 3.16. So I realized at that moment, I knew that verse, that it was Jesus who saved me, it was Jesus who plucked me, who I was saying yes to. So after that, that near-death experience, still struggling with my identity, still going in and out of, 
of the desire to drink and even going out at some points and drinking. I come into my parents' bedroom in an afternoon, just like any other, and I hear a worship song playing. You are holy, strong and mighty. The moon and the stars declare who you are. I'm so unworthy, but still you love me. Forever my heart will sing of how great you are. And in that moment, I just realize just how known I am by God, just how deeply loved and cherished I am by God, that he was huge, yet he was intimate with me. I'm on my face weeping for 30 or 45 minutes. And in that time, everything that I went to with alcohol was replaced with the love of God, the love, the joy, the peace, the acceptance. And I knew what I was made for, who I was made for. I don't have to strive anymore. I know that at the end of the day that I'm accepted by God and that I love God and that He loves me. From that moment on, I was completely delivered from the desire to ever drink alcohol again. As my walk with the Lord has, has grown, He's given me the love and the passion for people who I used to despise, who I used to think were worth nothing. And He actually gives me the most joy, gives me the most peace that I experience in my day when I'm serving others. And He's taken this, the focus of, oh my gosh, look how awesome you are, to, oh my gosh, look how awesome the people that I've created around you. Now go love them, go pour out your life for them. Jesus really can be found, that He can be encountered. So that's my hope for people is that they would be set free. They would find their identity only in Christ. In the prayer room in Kansas City, this young man was worshiping his heart up. This former alcoholic overachiever realized what was really worth giving himself completely to. Let's all stand together. I don't know if I can have somebody on keyboard, but uh, I believe today there's an invitation to radical. I believe the Lord spoke specifically this word. I've never spoken this word before anywhere. He said to preach a message about entering radical everyone here who would be willing to say yes. That yes that he said, that was a cry that welled up. But there's, a, there's an invitation to radical commitment. There's, I know many of you are believers here. I just feel like the Lord is causing us like the Ezekiel's river out of the ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, in over our head. John had a dream last night about a pool jumping into the swimming. It's, it's in another realm. Swimming is another realm. There's another level that God is taking us to. Radical for Him. Radical. You know, we are doing outreaches once a month with our church, and sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's hard to get people to go. It's okay. You know, everybody's at their, their different comfort levels. But I get tested too. It's like, but man, so many people are getting saved from those outreaches. You know, sometimes you like, you get out of your comfort zone. I want to get out of my comfort zone. 
Maybe some of us need to get out of our comfort zone. Maybe some of us need to, you know, just even eliminate excesses, excessive alcohol, excessive TV watching, excessive computer, I don't know, whatever it is, excessive social media, because it's stealing from your ability to go radical for God, radical for what really counts when it's all said and done. When you and I leave this life, you know, stand before him, man, we're never going to regret being radical for him. (laughs) We might regret a few other things where this world, you know, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches or whatever. Come on. Holy Spirit, come. Break in. Break into hearts. Break into us, Lord, not just like a nice, good, feel-good time right now, but we want to make a commitment. We want to see change. We want to see shift. God, shift in my life. Shift in the way that I spend my time and shift in the way that I just do life or or treat the people around me, whether it's a spouse or a kid or or, or a co-worker or whatever, you know, that irritating co-worker. Just not going to let that get to me anymore. God, forgive me. Forgive us. Come Holy Spirit. Right now, first of all, I believe there's people here, you need to just say yes to Jesus in terms of salvation. Maybe it's the first time, maybe it's a rededication. I had to rededicate my life to Jesus when I was in my teens. You know, I was born again at 12, but needed to really get on board with God's agenda. You know, he was not in the driver's seat of my life, that's for sure. Father, come, speak right now. There's people in this room, you need to say yes. The gospel is simple, you know, as he came to be pay a price. It says the wages of sin is death. Price of sin is death. Jesus said, I'll pay it. I'll step out of heaven, born of a virgin in a manger, go through puberty. (laughs) Imagine stepping out of glory and going through all of this. Why? Because he specifically came to die, to pay a price that we owe. Therefore, when we say yes... This massive exchange happens. Come on, where are you? Come forward right now. You've been sitting on the fence or you've been sort of half-hearted or you need to full-on say yes. I believe there's some young people here today too. Where are you? Just say yes. Maybe your heart is fluttering. Maybe you just know there's a draw of God to be full-on in today. As a a believer, I'm going to go into radical in a moment, but some of you right now need to recommit your life to Jesus or say yes to him. Where are you? Just run up here. Don't worry about what people think. Who cares what people think? What you should really, what we all need to care about is what does God think? What does God say? What is God thinking? Right now, come Holy Spirit. Break in, break in. Where are you? I know there's people here you need to say full on, yes, I'm getting out of the fence sitting thing. I'm getting out of, you know, mediocrity. Yeah. Father, we say yes. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Yeah, come on. We pray for you. Father, come, 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 come. We just bless. You know what? I love also another quote from Corey Timboom. There's no sin so deep that he's not deeper still. There's no pit so deep that he's not deeper still. Puts our sin into the middle of that ocean and says, no fishing allowed. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's say this, all of us here together. Fire, fire. Break it. With these precious ones. Jesus. Say it. Jesus. I say yes. Full on. Here I am. You died to save me. And I say yes. Your leadership, your will, 
your way. Forgive me of doing life my way. God, break it, break it, break it. You know, right now, in the name of Jesus, just bless cobwebs that are coming off. Cobwebs, kind of foggy cobwebs. In the name of Jesus, we break traps of the enemy. We break traps in the mind. We break traps of whatever it is, of quarreling, of squabbles, of of, of irritations. In the name of Jesus, those traps come off. Firefall. Holy Spirit, come. Deep calls to deep. Whoa! Fire. Baptism of glory. Hey, let it come. In Jesus' name, a baptism of fire. A baptism of fire. A baptism of the Holy Spirit comes right now in Jesus' name. Freedom to the power of Jesus. Three, freedom. Now, I know there's many that should be joining these ones. We're going to have this time now. You're just coming to say, God, I'm all in. I'm in, into radical. Where, where are you? Come on. It's not about, you You know, it is about you just saying to the Lord. So if, come, kneel before him, stand before him. Just make a, a, an outward demonstration of an inward decision to say, God, I want to be radical. Radical in my giving, in my time. Where are you? Just step out of your pews and come here. Let's pray together. Anybody want to be radical? Is there anybody in consumed church that wants to be radical? You want to come to another level? Just come and say to yes to the Lord. It's about Him and you, okay? It's not about, you know, me or the pastor or your friend or whatever. It is about you and God. It's you and God right here, right now. Saying, God, look upon me and I'm saying yes to radically living for you. I don't need to have a persecution or a gun at my head or to die in a near-death experience. I want to say I'm radical right now, right here. Oh! And some will get persecution or near-death experiences, but you know what? We don't want to need that to be radical. Does that make sense? It's like, God, even right now, in my nice, cozy home, in my job or whatever, I want to be radical because you're worth it, Lord. I want to be radical in my time with you and my heart for you, my giving, my, my forgiving. Oh God, I say yes. I don't want to sit on some comfortable American Christianity fence. Come on, somebody. Let's get off our American Christianity comfortable fence and say, God, you are worth it all. You gave your last drop of blood for me. You are worth the radical yes in my heart for you. So yes, Lord, here's my yes. And you know what? I see people getting different assignments. I bless that. Yes to whatever. Yes to whatever. You know, don't worry. He's not sending you all to Africa and if you hate snakes or something. He'll give you a desire to do what he's called you to do. Or he'll give you promptings. Just, you know what the, the fear is or the the thing is, if we stop, if we ignore the promptings, don't ignore the promptings. God forbid ever a time where we can't hear your voice. Lord, come. He's prompting some to give. He's prompting some to open your mouth. He's prompting. I really believe the Lord is speaking to some here today to forgive. Forgive family members. Forgive the pain of the past. Forgive that, that ex-spouse or whatever. That's your radical today. Your radical today is to really rip up the IOU to say, you owe me nothing. You owe me nothing. I, I give it all into the hands of God. Forgive dad, mom. God, let it come right now in the name of Jesus. 
We want to be full in. There is a radical heart of passion the Lord has for you. And equally, he deserves our radical yes for him. So let it come, oh God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I bless you, fire of God upon you. Bless evangelism rising up inside of you. Lord, burn in him, burn in him. God, take away the ways that we have felt a bit dull. No, no more dull. In Jesus' name, we bless passion, fire, branding iron, branding iron, branding iron. In the name of Jesus, passion for Jesus. Brand us this morning with a new level of passion. Brand us this morning. Whoa, fire of God fall. Hey, in the name of Jesus, whoo, in Jesus' name, I bless radical branding going on. Branded, marked, you know, that, that means a marked forever, marked for life, branded with a passion that can never be erased, God. The fire in the altar will never go out. Hey, in Jesus' name, burn, baby, burn. Burn, baby, burn. Fire fall. Glory come. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Fire fall and glory come in Jesus' name. Yes. Yes. Father, thank you for this couple. Thank you for Lauren and John who've put so much into giving, giving in this church and ministry. Radical, radical, radical. Father, bless them, their family, their kids, God. In Jesus' name, we bless you with another level of extraordinary blessings of the Lord. Future grandkids that are revivalists, God. Revivalists being birthed through their loins, God. Revivalists in this generation's coming, God. Burn, burn. Oh, Lord, you're worth it all. Jesus, you're worth it all. Fire on you, Matthew. We bless you. We bless your family, your children. Your wife, burn on him, God. Thank you for a faithful, faithful messenger. Faithful messenger. In Jesus' name, more, God. More. Mark us, brand us. You know, I know that I know that I know, and it's it, 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 there's all these different ways, but I know that people, the Lord is, if you will listen, if you will hear, the Lord is committing some or asking some to increase the percentage with which they give financially. And it, uh, this is for you, not about me or this church or anybody else. It is about God wants your commitment. He wants to be Lord of your wallet, Lord of your bank account. And watch what he does. It's not about just giving to get. But it is an obedience factor that positions us for a greater harvest. Just like it says in Matthew uh, 3, Malachi 3. So in Jesus' name. I speak, Lord, clarity of hearing the voice of God. Just obey God. You don't have to obey me. Obey God. Obey the word of God. What is the Lord saying? What is he prompting you? I feel like there's some here. The Lord is wanting to massively use you for, uh, I don't know. It's like I even see some for agricultural exploits or I see produce or I see business explosion. And the Lord is saying, I I'm, I'm asking you to increase the percentage with which you give to the poor and give or whatever to the church give to uh, assignments of, that I have placed upon your heart you sowing into those who have a lack you turn on a tap you get water you're amongst the percentage of the world that has fresh water flowing there's a whole lot that don't God move on the hearts of people here today to be givers with which you have given us Father there's a stewardship here 
Whoa, burn, burn, burn. Burn, burn, burn. Radical for Jesus. Radical for you. Yes. Shift. 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 Whoa, in the name of Jesus. And you know, it's not just the 20%. You know, there's 20% that are such givers, but I just see everybody. Not just that top 20%. You know, sometimes we wonder, how is it that somebody's so blessed? Well, ask them. I'm sure that they're givers. Pour out your fire, God. Fire, 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 fire. Some of you are longing for your prodigal son and daughter to come home to Jesus. Just burn. You burn yourself. Just burn. Burn. Don't, maybe you need to stop nagging or talking, but maybe just start praying more. More time in the knees. More time in prayer. God's going to turn it around. 2023, a year of many things, but the prodigals are coming home. Prodigals are coming home. Fire fall and glory come. Shift. Yeah, come Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, sir. Is there teachers in this room or you're a teacher of some kind or you have some sort of educational background? Oh, you are <laughs> right in front of me. <laughs> okay. All right. No, you still are actually. Father, I bless the teaching anointing upon this woman. Fill her up in the name of Jesus. Teacher, uh, the ways, I see you teaching many the ways of faith, the ways of the word of God, the ways of the kingdom of God. You're going to be teaching. You have a gift of teaching. It didn't go away when you retired or whatever it was. The gift of teaching is on your life. Lord, teach her as she teaches others. Fill her up right now. God's given you a new refirement. He's given you a new assignment. Your radical is this yes for the Lord's new assignment on your life. So, Lord, show her. Reveal it right now. But I bless the teaching anointing that's on you. Kingdom principles. Kingdom. Ho. Fire. Yeah. More, Lord. Burn. The voice of God. The voice of God. The voice of God. The voice of God. Clarity in hearing the voice of God. There it comes. Clarity in hearing the voice of God. Everything that has blocked up your ability to hear leaves in Jesus' name. We reach up by faith and receive the voice of God, the clarity of the prophetic word of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, the journaling, get your journal out. Get a pen out. Start journaling. The Lord is speaking to you. You're going to hear him much more clearly. In the name of Jesus, we declare right now the word of the Lord. Woo! Take that, by the way. Anybody should take that word. Father, we want to hear you clearly. Burn. Fire fall. Glory come. Mentor. Mentor, I bless mentoring young girls. I bless mentoring younger people, maybe younger in the faith or younger in age, but I bless mentoring. Lord, burn the yes, the yes. God, what is it? What is it yet? What's in my book in heaven that is written of my life? Psalm 139.16, what's written in my book that I just need to say yes? Out of my comfort zone, out of my comfort zone. Bless you. I even see missions trips, but they may be missions trips to here in America or other places of the world, but I bless you in missions trips, missions, some short-term missions. 
burn on her, God. Burn on her in the name of Jesus. Give her direction. Give her all she has need of. Fire fall. Glory come. Worship on you. Worshiper, lover, worshiper. Yes, the radical yes. Burn, baby, burn. Fire of God fall upon her in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Bless the clarity of the word of the Lord for you. Bless the anointing upon your life. I just see worship, that you are a worshiper, laid down lover. I don't know if you sing in the stage or sing in a shower, but sing, worship, sing, 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 sing your way through any problems, sing, worship, praise. Whoa, fire on you in the name of Jesus. A woman on fire, a woman on fire. Whoa, in Jesus' name, a woman on fire. Don't worry about who's around you or whatever. They're, they're not your parameter. God is your parameter. God is your standard. Look up. Look up. Don't let your passion be the same level of anybody around you. Just go. Run, run, run. People are going to run after you as you run after God. Just like Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. God, burn in the name of Jesus. Fire fall. Glory come. Hell. In Jesus' name, I bless the fruitfulness on your life, fruitfulness on your life, fruitfulness on your life. In the name of Jesus, no barrenness, no barrenness. The Lord is making you so fruitful. A fruitful vine, a fruitful vine. Lots of fruit. I just see laden with fruit. Big fruit. Yeah, come. More. Whoa, whoa. Oh, Jesus' name, break in. Break in. Glory of God. Out of the box, out of the box, out of the box, out of the box. You know, God's going to, I even feel that you're going to do outreaches as well, like out, evangelistic outreaches or uh, even in a park or in a grocery store. God's speaking to you to speak up. Somebody is is encountering some sort of issue and you pray for them, they get delivered and healed. Even in workplace or out of the, out of the church, out of your house, God, burn on her, Lord. Burn on her in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You know, I've noticed something. Most of the people up here have been women, which is great. I love women. But where are the men? God, raise up. There's been some. But Lord, raise up radical men. Men on fire. Where's John? I want you to pray for the men right now. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to chastise you. But I just feel like God wants to touch men in a powerful way. Oh, Jesus, I thank you that you are the ultimate man. Lord, I thank you that you have actually taken us into yourself, Lord, so that we can be identified with you. You've established for us the relationship with the Father. And Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just release just a fresh new wave of the love of the Father that releases men, Lord, from being trapped in uh, insecurity and in bondage, God. I thank you that you're setting captives free right now at the sound of my voice, that every man in this house, Lord, would become a bold and mighty warrior that's not afraid to show their love for God. Lord, I thank you that you're doing a new thing in the church. You're doing a new thing in men, and I just release it in Jesus' name, that there is a holiness and a purity and uh, a new wave of the Spirit of God that rises the man of God 
up from the ashes. Right now I break off of you in the name of Jesus. Every accusation, every false thing has been spoken against you. Every lie of the enemy that has tried to identify you and place uh, a description on you that is not correct is less than what God has for you. I just break that off right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare that you are beloved. That you are loved by your Father just as much as he loves Jesus. was speaking about the the lie of the enemy to come against marriages and breaking into the family and that the man is like the first defense there. Then when I saw when Joseph and Noah came down, just this overwhelming sense of this new generation that God is going to raise up an assembly around you guys who refuse to compromise who refuse to compromise. You're becoming a generation who refuses to compromise. And those of us who are older, John, myself, and others, those who are in that line of refusing to compromise, God is about to reward that. He's going to reward that in us, and he's going to continue that in the next generation. He's passing along that mantle of anointing for you to stand and to stand firm and to become that barrier where the enemy cannot affect, he cannot penetrate. Those arrows just fly off. And he's going to build an assembly around you. Just receive that word today. An an army, your own squadrons of men like yourself who refuse to compromise. So, Lord, I just speak that over you. In Jesus' name, Lord, that uncompromising spirit, that steadfast spirit to stand in the truth that you've given us. Lord, that when the bombardment of the things that come through media and the things that bounce off our eyes hit our senses, Lord, we say, no, this does not benefit us. No, this does not feed my spirit. I refuse to compromise the spirit inside of me that's growing day by day. I stay in that spirit that's drawing me in to radical relationship with my Savior, that intimacy with Him. And that's the only thing that I desire, to stay in that inner court, that holy place with Him every single minute of the day. I want to live a nomadic life, one that's controlled by the Holy Spirit in every thought and every action. So stand stand firm, men. God's calling us into that, and He's about to pour out reward for those who have refused to compromise. The perfect word for that is radical. I just release radical over you all. I mean, this is like a, a present from the Lord that's dropped here. There's an impartation of radical living that God has called us into. Oftentimes, as men, we can kind of take a back seat and let the women be radical, but the Lord is actually calling us to be radical. You get to be radical. Hallelujah. I'm going over time, but... Um, I'm sorry, I can't shake this. At, I know you got this box at the back, but I feel like you're supposed to have something here. Can you, maybe that thing or whatever. Uh, for people to give, because it's not about me. I, even if they give me anything, it goes to Catch Fire USA anyways, okay? So this is not for Patricia Bootsma. And I, I really do believe that there's some that God's calling you to give to this building fund. Even uh, so many times when we were looking to, I don't know, pay off a mortgage 
or acquire a property, the Lord said, give to somebody's building, somebody's house or building. And every time we reaped a harvest in that. But I don't know. I just feel like to make it an actual commitment now to do something. Maybe it's a dollar. Maybe it's three dollars. I don't know what it is. Maybe we'll move this here so we don't hit her. But um, just something. I just feel like there's something. I'm going to write something myself. But what is it to consume church then? If they write a check. Consume church or online. But Lord, I pray that. And I and I just see the this as that man spoke. Just... As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So thank you for men that are standing on guard for their households to serve the Lord. Men who rise up to say, it's not okay, that's not allowed in my house, that's not allowed in this house. This, I'm not compromising, that is just whatever, that music or that TV program or that whatever, that's not allowed in this house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So come Holy Spirit, just put Holy Spirit backbone into some uh, fathers here and you know husbands here in Jesus name amen amen thank you Lord thank you God you're good may the Lord bless you may the Lord keep you may the Lord make his face to shine upon you lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom not just peace shalom means welfare health prosperity you know goodness in relationships open doors shalom is very comprehensive may the Lord give you Shalom. Amen.